Welcome to Gratitude Sandwich, the little podcast that aims to make a big difference by offering stories from regular people just like you of how gratitude perhaps surprised them in their lives. One way to practice gratitude is literally to simply practice gratitude. One option to do that is often dropped in in yoga classes. And so let's do that right now. Wherever you are, stop and just take a moment. If you can close your eyes, do so. And just bring to mind something that you are grateful for. The first thing that comes to mind is perfect. Now appreciate that one thing deeply. Breathe it in and breathe it out. Now doesn't that feel better? Even in this moment, having just focused on what you're grateful for, shifted this one moment and repeated time after time, it starts to fight our negativity bias. It helps us to disconnect from toxic negative emotions and the ruminating that often accompanies them. So that's why we practice again and again. We return to gratitude. So without any further ado, let's get to today's guest. Thank you. 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 Welcome to Gratitude Sandwich. Today we have with us Michelle Hudson, who is a teacher, a runner, a yogi, a mom, a reader, a wife, and so much more. And also my friend. And we're so glad that she's here with me today because we're actually recording this episode live. So hopefully the sound is excellent. How are you, Michelle? I'm good, Lori. Thanks for having me today. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's good to be here. here in person. I'm in her house. (laughs) We had an appointment today. (laughs) It's so good to see people. It is good. So Michelle's story is about the death of her mother. And so you can pick up wherever you like, Michelle. Tell us all about it. Okay. So when I called Lori first about sharing my story, I thought, this is kind of weird. It's a grateful story, but it's about my mom's death. But I think her death was beautiful. I think it was just the way she would have wanted it. And um, even though I'm really sad that she's gone, I think she went, she left this world in in a, in a good way. Wow. Kind of like... A- uh, what, in The Hobbit, you know, the character that, like, has the ring, and he just, like, has a 100th birthday party, and then he twists the ring and he leaves. It's like, <laughs> like no muss, no fuss. Isn't I it? don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. I've read that several times, mm-hmm. too. Um, but my mom was very special to a lot of people, and uh, she had four, four kids. I'm her second. Um, my sister Lisa, me, my sister Sheila, and then my brother, who was born when we were all in high school. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Baby Jimmy. Um, so your mom was tough. <laughs> yeah, she was. She absolutely How was. How old was she when she had him? Do you remember? We, the girls, we were all born before she was 24. Okay. So another eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jimmy was born. No, he, we were in high school when he was yeah. born. Yeah. So yeah. I was 14. Oh. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
It was a surprise. Um, but everybody loved her, and she was uh, unique. Everybody called her either Aunt Patty or Grandma Patty. My my kids' friends called her Grandma Patty. Um, she worked at the cafeteria at Chittard, the high school here where my kids went. Oh, and yeah. And I went. Um, and she loved her accessories and her clothes. Holidays, she was always with the earrings and the ankle bracelets. She was a fancy cafeteria lady. She was, at especially at the, um, <laughs> at the holiday time. Oh Everything, you know. Um, her house was filled with things that reminded her of what she loved. And if it had a shamrock on it, she bought it. If it had Jesus on it, she bought it. If it had anything uh, with a fall leaf, she loved the fall mm. and... That's what, what her house was full of. Mm. So my dad died in 2012, and she took care of him and had some tough years taking care of him. And then had a, a little bit of time after he died, a year and a half, two years, and then she started getting sick. Mm. So it was really it was really sad. Um, she developed Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and it's a disconnection between your nerves and your muscles basically which just weakens your muscles and so was she in a lot of pain not pain necessarily um she always said it's it's tingly and it's numb Mm -hmm. mostly her hands and her and her feet tingly and numb which just kind of bothered her kept her awake kept her from feeling secure on the you know she couldn't walk on grass anymore because she couldn't feel her feet so it's kind of a disconnect Right. From your own body. Interesting. Right. And then eventually just really, really weak where she couldn't even walk mm. or, you know, without assistance wow. for a long time. That led into a lot of C. diff and kidney infections. What is C. Diff? And C. diff is gastrointestinal, oh. really awful. You've got to be secluded. Oh. Um, very, um, it's rampant in nursing homes at times and hospitals. Gosh. And she so. was at home at this point, right? Or was she in and out of the hospital with her? She was in and out. Mm. That's right. A lot. A lot. Um, and she knew. I've, I still have a voice message on my phone where she called and said, I hate to do this, but I know I have to go back in. And, you know, I don't want to bother anybody. And um, just in and out so many times. Mm. Different hospitals, different rehabilitation centers. Because she managed to live at home. She she stayed at home as long as she could. She was in and out. We helped her stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another cool part of the story is how my sisters and I uh, came together to take care of her mm-hmm. because we all had our little specialties that that we just needed to do for her. Um, I did her outside work and took her to the grocery store. And my kids say my love language is food. So if my mom said, oh, that really tasted good, I would go out, buy tons of it, whatever it was, or make sure she always had something that, you know, that she wanted to eat because she didn't eat very much. Um, My older sister took care of her banking, was her power of attorney, did a lot of the cleaning inside. And so did my little sister, helping with the cleaning inside, laundry, all that stuff. And Sheila is a social worker, my little sister, and worked for SACOA for the Council on Aging. So she knew all the rules about when, how long are you in, how long can you be out of a facility, all the, you know, the rules to make it. Wow. Gotcha. Cost efficient, I guess, is mm-hmm, what, you know. Mm-hmm. It can get insurance really and, yeah. complex, for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I thought we were a really good team. My brother's in Oregon, so, um, you know, we kept him up on it, but he couldn't be here to help at that time. And all of the grandkids, too. 
joined in and helped and kept her company and brought her things and cheered her up all the time. Did she live right down here in the neighborhood? or She lived up near Geist. Okay. Yeah. Right gotcha. by St. Simon. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Is this the house you grew up in? Not the house I grew okay, up in. Gotcha. Mm-mm. Okay. So that was really nice. I hear of people fighting when there's illness in a family or when someone dies and, you know, I'm doing all the work and you're not doing anything mm-hmm. and I want that and you have it. And we did not have, we did not have any of that. Um, we were tired. I'm sure, you know, we bickered a little bit, but we, we didn't have those long drawn out fights that kept people from wanting to be together. This is magic. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the fall of 2016, I was actually on my fall break. So I was pretty much living over there. She was really, really sick. And, um, we kind of knew she was not going to have a, well, she ended up going back to, to a facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew she wasn't going to have another comeback. They were miraculous. Every time they happened, we couldn't believe it. But this time we just knew she did not have it in her to, to have another comeback. So my older sister and I took her to the doctor and had a um, hospice order written, and the doctor was all for it. The facility still thought, oh, she could she could put her whole heart into it and maybe work a little harder in therapy. And we all kind of knew that's not, not going to happen. So we took her home from there. So, yeah. So I was she, forgetting that. You yeah. got to get her home. Yeah, that's huge. Right. So we brought her home. Lisa and I got her home late in the afternoon, and we brought her in in her wheelchair. And she was alert, but really tired, mm. just exhausted. In fact, in the doctor's office, she pointed to the tall exam table. We had to wait a long time. She said, can I get up there and take a nap? And we were like, oh. we can't get you up there. We can't get you down either. So oh you cannot take a nap. Um, we brought her home in the wheelchair, and she got out of the wheelchair on her own, walked to her bathroom. This is my memory of it. Walked to her bed, and then she never got back up from her bed. Wow. Wow. It was where she wanted to be. Anytime she was not at home, her goal was to get back home. So mm-hmm. um, from then on, we really did stay there the whole time. Um, the three sisters, you know, taking turns with our husbands at home, running the show there because we all had kids, teenagers mm-hmm. at the time. And um, we just all did whatever we could do. And it got ugly pretty fast Mm -hmm. so we got her home on a friday and she actually died on a tuesday morning wow early early in the morning it was pretty quick it was quick and so in the meantime she always said she didn't want people to see her that way she didn't want people to come and people knew that um but the people would have been there before like my aunt who brought her communion and would pray with her she was still coming and going people really needed to say goodbye and it's, she really wasn't alert mm. she had some moments where she she it seemed like she was but for the most part she was just kind of asleep um so it was okay that those people popped in to you know pat her and say goodbye and she it she was never bothered by that um, but she would be asleep and all of a sudden she would call out for people that were dead. And it was really, truly like she was seeing them. I mean, she would get kind of excited. Like it seemed like she was a little kid kind of. She'd yell for her mom or her dad. And it really was like they were standing right in front of her. Oh, my goodness. Now, was she, did she appear to be sleeping at these times? Her eyes were closed. Wow. And she was still breathing. At this time, she was still breathing pretty good. And... um 
she called out for her cousin, Rosellen, her good friend, my Aunt Kay. Um, just, it was really, really exciting to see, kind of soothing, I guess, for us. Wow. When we told her that Jimmy got there from Oregon, my brother, um, you could see the excitement. She got like a little kid again. Wow. Aww. Neat. You know, <laughs> still really didn't open her eyes Aww. or, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of acknowledge that she could hear us and that she knew he was there. Interesting. And she was glad. Mm. She sounds like she was sort of in an in-between space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. Wow. Never really seemed asleep, never really seemed awake. Wow. Yeah. Um, so this, that was Friday to Tuesday, um, we had hospice, and hospice was, we had morphine for her. And I knew I could not administer the morphine, because in the nursing home, she would always say, they're giving me something that makes me can't think, I don't like that, I don't like mm. that fuzzy feeling in my brain. You know, can you tell them I don't want that? And it was more for pain and, you know, just being uncomfortable. Sure. So um, my niece, Joanne, was really good. And Grace, my daughter, um, giving her the morphine when I felt like I couldn't do that for her. It's a, it was a hard thing. It takes a team. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And, and we were a team. And we had, so at the very end, I, I think, it was my niece, Joanna, my daughters, Grace and Bridget, and my siblings. And we just were in bed with her the whole time somebody was there. I told you before, she loved her head being rubbed. She loved her feet being rubbed, her legs, her back. Somebody was always rubbing on her, you know, putting a cold washcloth on her head, whatever, keeping her mouth from drying out. Um, Just all the things that we needed to keep her as comfortable as we could. And she was never alone, not one minute the whole time. So at the very, very end, um, I think I just laid down and my brother came in and he goes, this is really it. We can tell by the breathing. We've read everything the hospice has given us, you know, and and this is really going to be the last few minutes. So my siblings and I were all in bed with her at the very end, all four of us. She said she didn't take up very much room. We all fit. And the breathing went, as they said, and all of a sudden there was no more. Um and I told you earlier, my mom, you know, about her clothes and how her fashion was very important to her. And the hospice nurse on that Monday said, let's get her out of these pajamas. We had her in a two-piece top and bottom pajamas, but we had to pretty much change her and keep her clean. And she said, why Why do we still have these on her? Doesn't she have a nightgown? So we started looking around in her closet, we, drawers. We couldn't find any. We found them later. But Joanna offered up her... Tweety Bird nightgown or her Star Wars. She gave the option to us. I said, well, I think she'd kind of go for the Tweety Bird if she had to go for one of them. <laughs> and we cut it up the back, and it just made taking care of her a lot easier. But it was kind of funny to see my mom leave her home in a Tweety Bird nightgown. <laughs> Never would have been her choice. <laughs> It's hard. People don't think about from the outside. I think in, until you've been at a bedside of someone who's moving on, you don't think of the little things like this, you know, how to access helping them stay clean, mm-hmm. you know, how to access, well, you know, some other things yeah. that they need in order to, um, in order to be as much comfortable as they can. Right. 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 Yeah. So Tweety Bird was it. Tweety Bird did the job. <laughs> and, you know, like you said, we tried to keep her as comfortable as we could. My Aunt Susie was a nurse. She lived down the street. And she was like, we need to get these certain swaps for her mouth. We need to, you know, that's going to help her breathe and, you know, just to keep her more comfortable. So uh, my nephew Aaron and my niece Joanna ran all over town. That was a story that Joanna just shared with me uh, when I told her I was doing this. 
she said, we went everywhere. We wanted to be just exactly what grandma needed, you know, and that's the kind of effort everybody put into to all of it. It's it just, I feel like there's a magic that, that's around that time. You know, it's sort of, it's so sacred to be allowed mm-hmm. to be a person who's there for someone. Mm-hmm. And you do, you want, you want to, what, what can I do? Cause mm-hmm. otherwise you're just sitting and listening to mm-hmm. breathing. <laughs> right. It's yeah. So it's good to have a task sometimes too. And people did, people knew what they could do. My friend, um, knit her a prayer shawl. Mm. Um, I know the priest and the uh, deacon from her church came at different times. Nice. My brother-in-law, Jeff, who's an entertainer came and sang to her. He closed the door. He said, Nope, just me and Patty. We're just going to be in here together. We're, you know, and he just, I wanted to hear, I want to yeah. be there. He goes, Nope, private. <laughs> so everybody did what they could. Cause she was very, very much loved. My dad's sisters and brothers came. Um, and I know one uncle had a really hard time seeing her mm-hmm. in the condition that she was. But, and that's the other niche too, right? Some people can't handle this time, and that's mm-hmm. okay too, because I, know, I think we're all built for the this part that we're you know we're right. built for how we can help. Maybe you're saying a prayer somewhere else. Maybe you're sending good thoughts. Maybe you're the husband at home taking care of the teenagers. Right. But so I don't think this is for everybody to be there at the bedside. I, I think it's too hard for a lot of people. Right. In fact, one nephew and my two sons. All three of them said, I don't want to see grandma that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think they came around a little bit, but they certainly weren't there. All of the time was kind of hard for them. Well, it's good to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we respected that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one held any anything against anybody. <laughs> right. Right. So um, my son Mark was in the Army and he got to come. And made a grand entrance after having to wait at the dry cleaner for his uniform to be done. (laughs) Supposed to be overnight. Didn't quite happen that way. Um, I think I've covered everything from where we were home. Oh, Sarah. My daughter Sarah was in grad school and working at the same time. She had very little free time. She came when she could. She did what she needed to. So we have a big family. We always think... The communication has all been sent out and everybody knows things and that isn't always the case. (laughs) So Sarah busted in the door early that Tuesday morning after we'd been up till three or four, you know, with the hospice nurse getting rid of all the medicine. You have to account for all the medicine and, um, you know, finally getting some rest. And she came in the door with donuts. Hey, here, everybody, I'm here. Want to see grandma and I have these donuts for you. Stopped dead in her tracks and went, what? You didn't tell me. Grandma died and you didn't tell me. You let me walk in here and not know. And Sarah will give you what you got coming for sure. (laughs) And she did. And we felt terrible, but it was just, uh, you know, we all crashed when we could and got up and thought we had told everybody. It was the middle of the night. And bonus donuts. Donuts, right. (laughs) And looking back, very typical of Sarah to just start, you know. Mm-hmm. giving us what we deserved. <laughs> um, so in planning her funeral, we were looking all through the house, looking for some kind of plan. Um, my mom was very active in her church, planned my dad's funeral. We, you know, she was the liturgically correct person at St. Lawrence for all the celebrations, <laughs> knew it, all the, and we've just figured she would have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. We found nothing. We had the, 
what we had for my dad's, you know, we had a, what do you call it, program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used some of the same music and some of the same readings, but we really didn't have a plan. So brother-in-law Jeff loved my mom. She loved him. He says, I would like to do the communion medley. And you said he was an entertainer. Like, I be a little more specific about what kind of entertainer. Well, currently he is on a riverboat uh-huh. singing and dancing in the shows uh-huh. every night. Soon to be back on the boat. Um, in Las Vegas, he's been on cruise ships. He's written his own shows. So he is a singer and dancer. So he's Bye. he's uh, pretty outgoing and, um, you know, you might see a fishbowl on a, on a uh, piano kind of thing, that kind of thing. Like he's... He's a bigger, big personality, I guess. Big personality, <laughs> yes. Okay. He runs the gondolas downtown. Okay. A little plug for him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very, yeah. I don't know what the word is. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he's, he's not flamboyant, but he's like, right. it's Vegas. I mean, when you told me about this story, I'm seeing, you know, this, you know, don't forget to tip the, your, your waitresses. The costumes, <laughs> yeah. and it's all usually Try humorous. Yeah. yeah, really good. He's really good. here all week. Yeah. And my mom loved, she'd been on some of his um, boats, oh, you know. And, on cruises yeah. that he was, that um, was Or the maybe, riverboat yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. So, anyway, he, <laughs> he wanted to do this um, medley at, at communion meditation, and the priest at St. Lawrence was very concerned that everything be a hymn. We had bagpipers, and that's where that kind of, well, what are they going to play? It must be a hymn. It can't be Irish eyes are smiling, you know. So he's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, I know. It, it'll be hymns. And so he gets up on the altar for the communion meditation. I really only remember one song, which was Sentimental Journey. <laughs> he strolled back and forth across the I wanted to say the stage, the altar. <laughs> um, and he just sang his heart out to my mom, and it was awesome. One of my friends said the natural light in the church kind of followed him like a spotlight back and forth across. Like God sent a natural spotlight. Yes. And she's a musician, so she kind of knew and has oh done shows. So she, um my cousin, who was distributing communion, said he stopped and kind of put his hand on her shoulder. And While he was singing? While he was, he was singing and she was distributing communion and she said she could hardly not laugh out loud. Um, but my mom would have loved it. My mom would have loved everything about it. That's and then, of course, the bagpipers with her being Irish, she loved. So her it was just that part was good, too, you know? Yeah. Fun. She had a good funeral. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I still am amazed that you guys could feel when she was done you just knew mm-hmm. that still blows my mind do you remember any sort of markers or was it just you just saw this decline in her energy what was that like yeah decline in her energy and her will mm. usually she was i i gotta go down there and do that therapy if i'm gonna go back home mm. you know i don't like it they have to really push me to go but and you know it never was fun she was not an exerciser. Mm. I don't think I ever saw my mom take a walk or ride a bike. <laughs> That's amazing for ever. you because you you do all the things. Yeah. She cleaned her house. You know, she took care of us, but she did not ever exercise. Gotcha. So you could just tell. Yeah. She was yeah. done. She was done. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so looking back, you feel like if she could have planned it, this would have been it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think she ever said... I mean, she always said, can't I just go home? Mm -hmm. But it never was, 
I'm done. Please take me home. Mm. You know, she never really actually said that. Sure. Wow. I? I think it's really an interesting story because so many of us, first of all, don't ever even think about this end of life until it slaps us in the face mm-hmm. with our parents or aunts, uncles, whatever, grandparents, maybe. And there's this, you know, we push it away like we do, you know, sure. hard. It's a hard thing, right? Like bad, hard emotions to deal Bury with. Bury it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bury it. That's no pun intended, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important that people think about how do you want yours to look? We may not have control. Right. Right. But... If you get to pick, what would that look like? Um, and they maybe leave a little note for the family, you know, or right. let people know. One of my good friends passed away a few years ago, and she I had discussed with her, um, you know, how she wanted that to look. She had breast cancer, mm. and um, and she, she wanted people around, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's everybody's different in that. Right. And so we sat with her, and we sang to her, and we prayed the rosary with her, you know, mm-hmm. around her. You know, people came and played music and, you know, some different things. And it was just really... And um, she was aware? She kind was, of maybe sometimes? Some yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. Some of the time, yeah. But it was it, it was interesting. I, I, just being able to be there for her was, mm-hmm. was a big deal. And I don't know if you've read... Um, being Mortal by Atul Gawande. I have not. It's a great book. You're a reader. You should read it. Okay. He talks about this very thing, about gauging the quality at end of life based on asking the person, duh. Um, right. You know, not letting the, you know, just some random physician or even a good close family friend physician make the decision. You actually mm-hmm. ask your parent or your aunt or whoever it is, you know, what makes life worth living? And in the book, he goes through a couple different scenarios. One For one person, it was being able to eat ice cream and watch football. For another person, mm-hmm. it was something about, you know, being able to take walks in the neighborhood. So it's, it's just interesting, like to see how unique it is for everyone, you right. know, what makes life worth living. And right. um, we're all going that direction, yeah. right? So. And we never asked her, to be fair to her. Right. We never said. <laughs> Even what she wanted to wear, you know, we uh-huh. picked out, we chose. Mm-hmm. I remember my grandma had her little dress at the side of the closet. And we all knew, out. yeah. Mm. But my mom did not, and we never asked her. Right, right. Maybe because we didn't want her to have to think about it to focus on it right, right? you don't nobody wants to focus even on even when she was sick right. right and it's so it makes it extra hard but asking the people is is good but i think in your case it sounds like you guys had so much intuition around what she needed mm-hmm. and really what she wanted it sounds like she wanted something pretty simple mm-hmm. right? just to be home mm-hmm. that was it and you got to give her right. that so when i heard Lori's gratitude sandwich podcast <laughs> i thought i always say i'm so glad my mom had the death that she did and even though it's a story about death, to me, it's kind of a comforting story. Something to be grateful mm-hmm. for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and isn't it always true in retrospect, too? Because probably when you're in the middle of it, you're just tired and you don't know what to do next. And, you know, you're just mm-hmm. going from just do the next thing, right? right. Fold the laundry or whatever it is. Right. Um, but then afterwards, you can look back and go, wow, that was for her. That was probably mm-hmm. about as great as it could be. And my sisters and I all were working, and oh, wow. everybody's job was like, got, you got to go do, that's what you got to go do right now. That's that's where you need to be. So that was, that was nice, too. So you had lots of things in your schedule. Right. Didn't have to worry about, you know, wow. checking in. Or, right. Wow, Michelle, this is a great story. And I think I it think will so. give people a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. around, you know, how they can be there for others, how they can be there for themselves, mm-hmm. and maybe even take a moment to think 
yeah, it really, this is true. This is where we're all going, whether we are four or 104 or any stage between. We all have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we have awesome intuitive people around us who know what we need if we haven't said it out loud. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Or make a plan. If you need to have it your way, make a plan. Have it your way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks, Lori. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today on Gratitude Sandwich. We can connect other ways too, like on YouTube. Go there to subscribe to my channel and enjoy yoga classes and meditations anytime. Also, please leave me a five-star review right here on iTunes so that I can keep bringing more stories of gratitude to the world. Also visit my website where you can download a free guided meditation to help you stay connected to your creativity. Once again, thank you for joining me today on Gratitude Sandwich. We'll see you next time.